This is the Two Guys Talking Podcast, back again for episode 11. We finally made it to episode 11. Here we are. It's been a few weeks. Life happens. Technical difficulties, wedding planning, funerals, everything all in one. But here we are, Brandon. Good to be back again. Heck yeah, man. I'm excited. I had a a buddy of ours. um, He was joking that we just ragged on the Dodgers too hard. And then the platforms, that's why they shut us down. So no more Dodger slander. Got to keep it clean. Probably the Dodger slander, probably the Chiefs slander. Uh, we got, you know, we got some people that are, well, where'd you guys go? But, hey, we're back. We're here. We weren't too far away. Um, hey, someone wants to pay me a million dollars to do this, you'll get an episode every day. So, like, you know, that, that also makes a difference here. I'll, I'll sign up for that deal as well. <laughs> did you see Joe Rogan? So he re-signed the deal with Spotify, but now it it can be on every single platform. It's not exclusive. So it's like a $250 million contract he renewed, but it's now he can post it on Apple. He can post it on Google. He can post it on any way he wants now. So that happened. So, you know, interesting, interesting piece there. And I think Call Her Daddy did not re-sign with Spotify. So they're kind of just a... Free agent. So she's shopping around those. again. She's shopping around again. She'll, so. she'll get paid big again. I mean, she's she's killer. She is. She's huge. She's impressive. Um, the 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 it's it's pretty impressive. The people that are just able to just always have natural content just come out and just they're just really good at the delivery and the charisma and she she killed. It. She came almost out of nowhere in a sense. Um, you know, she was known as like Noah Syndergaard's girlfriend, and then all right. of a sudden now she's. Alex yeah, she Cooper, was just a girl a on Barstool just yeah. talking about sex. And yeah. then now now she's like interviewing all these crazy celebrities. Yeah, she had Jack Harlow she has a whole, on the other day. She has a whole brand, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And then even after they had the split, what was the other girl's name? Uh, Sophie? Sophia? Sophia, yeah. So after they had the split, thought that maybe things would kind of die down. But then, she, you know, the Alex Cooper, she's just continued to yeah. dominate well, the game. Well, it's funny. Because the Sophia, I think she still has a podcast, but it's not yes. obviously doing nearly as well. And it's just like, all right, well, you kind of figure out who uh, who was in charge there, who was the talent. Look, I might get, I mean, we've already gotten canceled for the Dodger slander. But, you know, I, uh, Sophia Franklin's is a little cringe. I can't really, yeah. like, I could listen to Alex Cooper's podcast. I don't, but I could listen to an episode or two if, you know, my fiance had it on the background or, like, you know, it's it's somewhere. But, like, Sophia Franklin's, I can't really... It's cringe. It's a little too cringe for me. Yeah, she bugs me. I liked it when Jay Cutler was on. I'm a big Jay Cutler guy. Dude, he's awesome. Post, he's, post. He's such a he's such a chill dude. Like I'd love to just sit back and just like put down a six pack with him. Oh, like, he seems like a heck of a time. No, he, post football, Jay Cutler is a guy that I want to hang out with. So seems so down to earth. It just, and post-divorce, too. Post-divorce, Jay Cutler. Like he's got his chickens <laughs> now and he's just living life, man. Do you think the chickens like do you think he was a chicken guy before or after Von Miller? I'm thinking Like do they play together? Probably maybe one year. I don't know. Von Miller's a big maybe chicken guy. Right. I mean, yeah, because he was into horses and stuff too. I mean Okay. He's from Texas. But yeah, I think I'm I'm saying Von Miller was into horses and stuff yeah. too. Yeah, he probably got a little bit from that. Jay Cutler, man. I mean he I mean, top 10 strongest arms ever? Dude, he was a gunslinger. I was so pumped when we drafted him. I thought he was going to be it. 
I mean, John Elway is probably like number one on that list, to be honest. Like he's got, yeah, he had he the, probably freak, the craziest man. cannon that people don't talk about. He had like a Bo Jackson type cannon. Like I watched some of those highlight videos that he has and like the over the middle throws, the deep ball throws. I mean, they're on a rope. I mean, he's got uh, John Elway had a cannon. People don't realize I put him number one. Jay Cutler is right up there. I mean, I'm trying to think of who else had those strong arms. I mean, and I'm trying to think of today's game. Like who's the gunslinger today? Who's got that strong arm today? I mean, Josh. Josh has a crazy Josh arm. Josh Allen. Yep, that's a good one. Josh Allen's up there. You know, like uh, I, I mean, Zach Wilson. He got. I mean, that was a big thing coming out of the combine. True. Remember, he made that crazy cross the body throw, like fifty five yards in the air on a dime. Yeah, inside a indoor facility. Right. With yes, no obviously, it doesn't translate to anything. But it did yeah. to the scouts. But look, this is yeah, why look, I wonder yeah. that. I swear to God, we could run a team. Like it's unbelievable. Like I was looking at the Milwaukee Bucks, and we're, this is this is a podcast. We're going to be jumping all over the place. We're talking we're talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. I was watching them the other day, and I'm like, how could they? actually convinced themselves that the Damian Lillard trade was going to work. Like, how did they think? I We never thought that from the get-go, and that wouldn't have ever been a, a team that I would have thought of to go after a guy like that because it, it just doesn't work. And sure enough, you have a coach that gets fired in his first season, and they're not even doing much better with Doc Rivers at the helm now. I All-star swear coach. we could do this job. I swear we could do this right. job. What well, are these it's guys the same seeing? thing as the Suns. It's the same thing when they put the Suns together. It's like, how do you how do you think this is going to work? You have now three guys that never play, um, and then two. Well, did you see the? I can't remember his name. The Vikings GM, and he talked about his first draft and how he pretty much just looked up a bunch of stats on PFF and like used that in his decision making. How do you let that become? And it's public? like, I know exactly. Like he openly said it in a press conference. And so the reason I saw it come up, um, Kyle Sloter, former Bear, go Bears. Go Bears. He's uh, he's awesome on Twitter, and I think he's still really bitter about like his time in Minnesota and kind of how that fell apart. Because he's always just slandering the franchise <laughs> and like anything that comes out about it, he's just like, "This is such a joke. How could you, you know, how can you operate your franchise this way, this and that?" And uh, so yeah, he was tweeting about it, and so I started kind of looking into it. But yeah, the guy just openly said like. Yeah, I used PFF and, you know, looked up and it brought to light a lot of different things that I didn't consider. It's like just basic stats and analytics, you mean? Like what? What do you guys do every day? What do you guys do every day? Don't you have teams and groups that focus on this stuff and it's all you guys talk about? Like, I don't I thought get that's it. like why you guys have these giant headquarters is because that's what you're doing is just crunching numbers. But this, is, this, is, this blows my mind. And then I wonder how much influence do these draft analysts on TV are, are doing the homework for these guys? Like, how much of these guys that come oh, out of the realm, like Joe Flacco, was it the media that got Joe Flacco a uh, 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 first-round pick, right? Well, I think he was a first-round pick. W- was it the media that brought him out of nowhere, or was it an actual scout that made it to the media? Because I wonder how many of these guys, like Zach Wilson, was it the media, you know, that kind of pushed that, look at this throw, look at this throw, and then people were like, right. oh, yeah, this throw. Like, how much do, are these guys really doing their job? Because now I'm starting to wonder. I mean, if this guy's right. out here saying, I'm just looking at PFF, that's what I could do that, man. You give right. me a full-time job to focus on drafting and scouting, I promise you, I feel like we could do a better job than these guys. Like thinking right. of it, uh, I, I I don't I don't understand how these guys have some of these jobs these days and some of the draft picks we made. You were telling me the other day what the 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 almost Chiefs dynasty not even happening. 
Yeah. Yeah, the Chiefs wanted to sell the farm to move up for Paxton Lynch, and they couldn't get the deal done. And then whose fault is that? And then you right. wonder who... And, and so I, I guess multiple teams were interested in Paxton Lynch, and I'm like... Yeah, Jerry Jones was big on him. Obviously, the Broncos, the Chiefs wanted him. And Jerry Jones was big on Johnny Manziel, so I don't really take anything that yeah, Jerry Jones says. He's big on any, yeah, he's like whatever makes a splash. Yeah, Tony Romo it. didn't do anything. Tony Romo, now we now we do this. Is what we do when the guys retire or they die, right? It's like they're they're better than they were. I'm I'm gonna bring this up. This is another. We're gonna get canceled real quick here. I'm gonna bring it up here. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't. I'm gonna say it, dude. And you, I might piss you off. So we'll see here. I don't think Demarius Thomas is a Hall of Famer. Whoa, he's not a Hall of Famer, no. But he was. But people uh, were saying it on Twitter this morning because now he's on the list, and I'm like, it's only because he died. And I'm and rest in peace, man. God rest his soul. He's the man. Loved Demarius Thomas when he played. He was an incredible receiver. But he's not a Hall of Famer. No, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's he would be. He's legitimately even without the death. He was a legitimate ring of famer for the Broncos. But no, he he wasn't a Hall of Famer. I mean that's. That's, that is something where, all right, you know, we miss him. Let's show him some love. I mean, similar. Honestly, like, I always felt the same way as Kobe. Like, you know, it's like people want to throw him in the GOAT conversation now. And it's like, uh, we never had that conversation when he was alive. That's what I'm saying. After he died, it's like, you know what? Kobe's number one. And it's like, really? Right. Really? Like, he's right. my GOAT, and he'll always be my GOAT. And I, I mean, he's my favorite player, so I put him number one. But realistically, I know that he's not the GOAT. And he's up there. I think he's top 10. Some people put him right outside at 11, 12. I mean, I think undoubtedly I Kobe Bryant's top 10 all time. Uh, yeah, top seven, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, but all time GOAT, it, that only came out after he passed away. And both Demarius, both Kobe Bryant, very tragic deaths, very young, too soon to be gone. But like, why are we now putting them up top just because of that? Like, let's show them their love for what they are, but let's not take away from what well, they Sean actually Taylor, did. Similar thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sean Taylor, similar yeah. thing. I mean, granted, his career was cut really short, and he was he was probably on a trajectory to be one of the best safeties ever. But yeah, you know, it's a similar thing. It's like, and again, I get it. You get you get caught up in in the feelings, and it's like you know you reminisce or you miss them, and it's just like. Yeah, they were one of the best ever, but it's like, yeah. I mean, but yeah, that DT being a Hall of Famer, that's a little bit of a little bit of a stretch. Yeah, you know, I, I don't see him making it. You know, speaking of Hall of Fame, I told you we we're going to be jumping around this show. Shout out Todd Helton. Shout out seventeen. Let's go. Todd got in. We said this was the year. We this called it. Called it. We also called. I, I, again, continue to jump around. Joe Flacco, comeback player of the year. We called that. Check a couple episodes back. We called Joe Flacco Comeback Player of the Year. Now, was it the fake punt that doomed DeMar Hamlin? What a why. And again, we don't have to break down all the games that happened weeks ago. But yeah, what are you doing? That's... With DeMar. That's like, why DeMar? Is it, is it drawn up for DeMar to, like, make, make the crowd, like, bring some energy? But, like, he's not that had good. He, he hasn't played all season. I'm glad they did was, the right he thing. Was a, he was inactive the entire season. I'm, I'm glad they did the right thing and gave it to Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Flacco, we knew he should have been the guy, and they did the right thing doing that. No offense to DeMar Hamlin, but hey, man, you're alive and you're out there. Good for you. Congratulations. We're happy for yeah, you. Yeah, you, you already won the ultimate comeback award of, like, being revived. Right. Like, you won the award, buddy. You're right. good. Right. So, shout out Joe Flacco. But, yeah, back to Todd Helton. Really happy about Todd. 
that 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 is just such a special thing for Colorado, Colorado Rockies fans who like have not much to cheer for ever. Um, baseball season coming up right around the corner. It's almost something the whole season that we as fans can look forward to all the way to August 17th to when they play and they honor him for making the Hall of Fame. But now the Rockies, and I really thank Larry Walker for this, now the Rockies have two Hall of Famers in their honestly young franchise history, which is you know yeah. 30 years. Well, almost almost 30 years, yeah. So, Or is it 30 years It's this 30 year? years. 30 years, I think. Yeah. Well, 1993, so this would be, I think, last year that we did 30 okay. years. Well, our worst okay. season then, ever yeah, was 30 years. Coors, Coors was 95. That was the first time we were in Coors. Yep. Right? The first couple times we were at Mile High. Yep. So, you know, i I very happy to see Todd Held and very deserving. I mean, you put up the numbers and they consistently did so. The guy's deserving of making it. The And I think what, for me, what did it, it's not necessarily the offensive stuff. I think people forget about how good of a defender he was at first base. He was king at picking those bad throws out of the ground. He had the hidden ball trick at the end of the at the end of his career. That was so sick. Yeah, that was slick. He was a legendary just player all the way around. You know, hitting a home run in his last game at Coors, the run in 07 where he was a big part of it. He played for one team which you just don't see anymore ever. I mean, you thought Damian Lillard was going to be that guy, and even he's gone after, you know, 10-plus years. So you just don't see this ever again. LeBron James is to blame for that. Todd Helton is the epitome of Colorado baseball. He was a stud when he came in. He was a stud when he left. He still lives in Colorado. He's homies with Peyton Manning. He was Peyton Manning's starter at Tennessee. Peyton Manning was Mm -hmm. Todd Helton's backup as a quarterback. You had the lefty southpaw gunslinger, Todd Helton, for Tennessee Volunteers quarterback. And then he goes to the Colorado Rockies and does incredible things. I just remember the one moment to me that stands out is the game where Peyton, and I think it was Wes Welker, was sitting front row. And there was nobody there. It was a Sunday game, I think, against the Mets. And it was the bottom of the ninth inning. And Todd Helton comes in to pinch hit with the bases loaded. And he smacks a home run, grand slam, uh, to the right field box. And Peyton's just going nuts. And he points over at Peyton. And there's no one in the crowd. There's probably like 10,000 people in the crowd. It was 4 nothing in the bottom of the ninth. No one's there on a Sunday anymore. And he Todd comes in to pinch hit, you know, getaway day. And he hits a grand slam to tie it. Mind you, the Rockies ended up losing that game anyway. But that moment was yeah. fantastic. And... Those are the moments that Todd, you know, he was such a stoic, you know, quiet-to-himself kind of guy. But, man, the guy went out there and balled, and shout-out Todd Helton, man. Yeah, it's cool to see him in. And, again, I think we all knew it was a matter of time, and, again, we, we figured it'd be this year. Because he was on that traje- trajectory, you know, he was getting closer and closer each year and finally got over the hump. And now we'll probably have to wait a long, long time till we get another one. Yeah, well, you know, if things continue to go bad for Nolan, maybe he comes back, and then we'll, you know, we'll, we might open up our arms to him. We might. Yeah, if he comes back, do we get our fifty million back too? <laughs> no. Dang it. We'll make that in like a weekend series uh, at the rooftop. Yeah, I mean, when Shohei's in town, we'll yeah, make that. no, we'll and that's that. a couple times this year. So honestly, yeah. Shohei going to the Dodgers might be great for Dick Monfort's checkbook. Oh, you know, the whole NL West was like. Heck yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Sales, attendance. Oh, it's, yeah. It's big time. Over under 110 wins for the Dodgers this year. 
Over. Yeah? You think they're going to go that yeah. that that strong I think of a it's, season? I think it's going to be crazy. Kershaw coming back I, for year 17. I, 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 dude, honestly, like, they might lose, like, 35, 40 games. I think it's going to be crazy. Assuming they're healthy, it could be yeah, it could man. be unreal. 40, and then it, it all games. is just going to hundred and twenty wins. Yeah, I think it's going to be nuts. They could break some records. And then and then they're going to just completely blow it. No, they'll lose to the in Rockies playoffs. in the wild card yeah. round. Put yeah. it down. Saw the script. Yeah, no, I already saw it. And why do you think I'm wearing the Rockies hat today? You know, we're, we're, we're repping, dude. It's baseball season, and it's the best time of the year to come up with absolutely crazy predictions of what the Rockies are going to do this year. Because you know what? What does opening day do? It brings you hope, and that's all it does. And so what we can do is sit there when the Tampa Bay Rays come into town. Well, actually, actually, the Rockies start the season at Wrigley. How many series do we have on the road before just the our one. opening day? Just the one just at one? Wrigley. Okay, that's nice. Then come home against the Tampa Bay Rays. But an interesting start to the schedule for the Rockies in terms of some out-of-division interleague play to start the season, which I like baseball doing more of that, but I'm glad to not see the Padres or the Diamondbacks to start the season like usual. Right. Give me a nice little matchup. The Rockies going to Wrigley, that's fun. You saw that last season. Uh, you know, that's a good yeah. old time. And then you have the Rays coming to coming to Coors. That doesn't happen very often. The Coors are the 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 Coors, the, the Rays are a good team. They uh, you know, obviously losing Wander Franco, their star. We wonder how much that that's gonna hurt them, but uh to hell with that guy, to be honest. Yeah, no can you can't. Don't have much to say about him. No, uh, not much. and the race, the race as a Rockies fan, it's always frustrating because they seem to do it in a way where that's very possible for the Rockies to do it. You know, it's a small market team, not a lot of money, and they always just, you know, it's really it seems like their pitching and their farm system is just so much better, and they're always just rolling out guys, and it's like the Rockies, you can do that same thing. I look at Oakland when they are successful once in a while. You know, I look at Kansas I mean, City. Even, even the Royals, when they did their thing for a little bit there. It just, you have these small market teams that are able to figure it out every five years, and the Rockies are sitting there just kind of whatever. And, and it, you know, it's ownership. It starts at the top. I don't know if you saw what the Astros owner said the other day, but he, he I mean, I, I love it. As much as the Astros annoy us all, that owner comes in the other day and says, as long as I'm owner, we have a chance. And I'm like, love that. that's dope. That's yeah. dope. That's what you want from your owner. And, you know, Dick Monfort's out here saying, yeah, you know, we're trying. And I have, I have a lot of optimism this year. He's like a Rockies fan. He's like a Rockies fan. And, 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 and the biggest point about a Rockies fan is that the Rockies fans have no power and don't do anything. Same with Dick. It's like, what are you doing, bro? And it's all in-house hires, nepotism crap. That we're just seeing left and right, and it's like director of who is who? Like this guy's like a family member, a, f a former friend. I just I, I don't get it. I mean the the roster, the pitching, the coaching. I just don't. You know the fact I mean, we always are getting hurt, and we have the same trainer for twenty something years. I'm like we don't have tenure in sports. Like you get fired when you do a bad job. Like yeah, when you're not doing it. Yeah, when you're not doing it right, you got to go. Get your stuff. Take it out there, all right? Get out. It just doesn't doesn't add up. But baseball season's right around the corner, and we got what the reporting, the the pitchers and catchers should be reporting any minute now. Spring training, spring training hats came out this year. They're kind of clean. I don't know if you saw them, but the, the, the yeah, simple, the minimalistic, 
But yep, I like I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I might yeah, I might snag one. Purple. I'm a big fan of the whole 24. It's a good look, you know, 24 and everything. And so, you know, that's it's it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to to seeing how the Rockies pan out. I don't see them. I'm nervous that you know it's like can you go worse than last year? Unfortunately, yeah, you could be worse than last year. Mm-hmm. So that's what kind of worries me. Just my hope sense is just that they'll be what they normally are, and that's a middle of the pack crap team. And with 70 yep. wins, 75 wins, and don't make the playoffs, you know, I'd, I'd hate to see another 100 loss season. The Rockies have just never been that bad. They've been very poor, but they've never been that bad. They've had those exciting moments. I can't remember one exciting moment from last season. But now with some of these guys with Tovar and Nolan Jones coming into a new season with one year under their belt, maybe this is the time where you get some more excitement. You have Chuck coming back. You know, I, I, maybe there's some excitement more than last season. That's why I'm thinking maybe a 70-win season might be there. But other than that, having the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks and, who know, the, the Padres, I hate to say it, and the Giants, honestly. Like, those, those, all four teams are not bad. The Padres are probably the worst of them all, and they're really not that bad. So even losing right. Juan Soto, they're still right there. But nonetheless... I'll be at opening day against the Rays, and we'll, we'll see who we throw out on the mound. Very curious to see that. Probably Kyle Freeland. I mean, I, I don't. I, I assume he's kind of the like opening day yeah, hometown kinda, guy. Yeah, because at that point, you know, I don't think he's getting thrown out there as the ace anymore. So yeah, maybe by the time the rotation gets around for that game, yeah, probably. Is there an ace? Like, is Marquez still an ace? Well, yeah. Well, I don't think we have a quote-unquote ace, but whoever yeah. they want to determine, hey, you're your day one guy. The problem is, is you just don't have anyone that even wants to come to Colorado to play, like pitchers or, or anyone. So, like, how do no. you change that dynamic without changing the whole way the team is looked at? And, I mean, I, I and that starts at the top. Starts at the top. We've been saying it for yourself, the team. Let's get someone new in there that cares, that knows, that wants to win, that wants to see success and wants to see, you know, Denver and Colorado thrive. Um, but, yeah, go Rockies. Coming up here. Go Rocks. The Nuggets beat the Lakers for the seventh straight time last night. And they seem to have the Lakers number over the last handful of games. And just one of those things where, once again, you know, Jamal Murray comes out in the fourth quarter, drains a three. And I look over at my fiance and I'm like, here we go again. Like, Jamal Murray is about to take over. How does that man not have an all-star? It's crazy that he gets snubbed. I mean, these last two years, I think, you know, the beginning of the career, it wasn't as big of a deal. But, yeah, especially these last two years. How? I mean, last year's coming off the knee, you know, maybe kind of a slow start getting back into it. But, yeah, after winning a ring, showing that he's a big-time player, big-time moments, and this year he's had a great year, stayed healthy. I I don't don't understand. I don't get it. My mind is like – Jokic is the best player in the NBA, and Jokic is incredible. But without Jamal Murray, this team is nowhere where they would be. They're not a championship team without Jamal Murray, I don't think. Like Jamal Absolutely. Murray, no, no, like, it's it's one A, it's one A and one B yeah. for sure. I mean, it's. I think again, like you said, Jokic is obviously the best player in the league, but Murray makes that team work. And again, he's a guy that just he loves those moments. And we're starting to kind of notice he loves those moments against the Lakers and, you know, kind of against these teams that, 
you know, if it's a rivalry or whatever you want to call it, but he's he gets up for these games. It's impressive. Uh, the The Lakers lose by eight. Jokic drops 24. Of and it course. was Kobe's statue night. Dropped Kobe's statue. One of three, I guess. We didn't know that, but I guess they're dropping three statues. But this was the first one. Very highly anticipated as, honestly, when he retired, even before he retired, people were talking about the statue of Kobe and what's it going to look like. Right. And, and with that whole little area that the that the Staples Center has it, with Magic Johnson and Jerry West and Shaq and you got some really big dudes uh, enshrined out there, you really wonder where they would go with Kobe. And they ended up going with the 81-point performance with him pointing the one up in the air. And I guess he, he picked that? According to his he wife, of, he, he picked yeah. that one. And um, 19 feet high, the base is huge. I mean, with all his accolades they put on it, it makes sense. But, like, the the, the base is massive. And yeah, isn't then, it something like 4,000 pounds the whole thing weighs? Uh, it's crazy. And then I wonder, like, how, you know, they put a tent over it for the whole ceremony. I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to look outside the right. stadium because it's not going to be an indoor statue. So, like... You know, right. I wonder how it's going to look like. But really cool event, obviously fun and, and, and nice and emotional to, like, relive the Kobe days and relive the Mamba stuff. And, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to what I heard from Jerry West and what I heard from Shaq is, you know, he should be here to be accepting this and we should be talking to him right now and, and all that stuff. But nonetheless, you know, love it for the Lakers franchise. But you know what? Whenever there's something big that happens for the Los Angeles Lakers, they tend to just lay an egg on the game. And no one wants to talk about it. It's like the game doesn't even matter. But you know what? Kobe would be turning and rolling in his grave if you ever told him the game don't matter. He would not give a crap about any of this accolade and outside the you know the statue stuff if they just went out and won the game. So I have a list, Brandon, of games that the Lakers have had big moments coming in. Like the whole day you're leading up to this moment uh, of, of this big game because of the, of the, the, the weight and behind it. So... The first one that stood out to me, and I'm going way back. I'm going way back to the to the olden days. There was a big game, and we were all anticipating it for a very, very long time. And it was Christmas Day, Kobe versus Shaq for the first time in L.A. Shaq's return to L.A. I mean, everyone was just over the top over that. My family, we all gathered around the TV for that game, which if you know my family, I'm the only one that cares this much about sports. So, like, for my whole family to sit around the TV and watch that game, you knew it was big. The Lakers lost that game, all right? They lost that game on a last-second shot that Kobe Bryant missed. The next one was opening day of the lockout season when it started on Christmas, and it was Lakers versus Bulls, and the Bulls won on a Derrick Rose floater with about 10 seconds left in Staples Center. Again, big lead up right there's no nba for a month and a half there's a lockout and then all of a sudden we're like hey we're playing on christmas we're playing a shortened season on christmas and the bulls and derrick rose are coming into town and you got still still prime-ish kobe out there and you end up losing on a last second shot by derrick rose that's two the next one is when they retired kobe's jersey jerseys number two and number eight and number 24 against the warriors and there's that clip of kobe leaving at overtime and i believe the lakers lost that yep. game um to the warriors that night the next one was the lakers first game after kobe bryant died 
against the Portland Trailblazers, and Damian Lillard came into L.A. and absolutely dominated them. And then the last one I have is last night, Kobe Statue Night. You obviously leading up the whole day, Instagram and social media. I mean, I had four straight posts from different accounts when I started scrolling of like, Kobe, 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 Kobe. I mean, the whole sports NBA social media took over for Kobe the entire day. 2-8-24. 2-8-24. The day doesn't mean anything to me. And this is what Mamba mentality really is. If people want to it's being the best version of yourself. And it's being hey, all you can be every single day. And all that crap. And Mamba mentality is this. That when 2-8-24 is being plastered all over the place, you win that day. You take the dub that day. And the Lakers tried. They had their opportunities. I mean, they made a run. They it, made it, a I run. Mean, they were down. They were down big in the third. They stormed back. They tried. And again, it was that. It was that eight zero run that the Nuggets had in the last four three minutes. Three minutes or so. Yeah. yeah, four minutes. But again, that's where it's like it. Obviously, the Nuggets roster is a lot better. They're defending champs. They're great. That team's humming right now. But it's just like LeBron and AD. That's if, if it's a tie game, last three minutes, take over the game. They Do should. And, and you now can't. you're seeing Jokic and Murray being the ones to do that now. And, you know, in, in, the, in the rest of the NBA world's eyes, they don't like it because it's not flashy. But that's what's happening. And then, yeah, you have LeBron and AD. And I'm sitting there watching that game, and I'm looking at it. And, like, you have Jackson Hayes stepping up. And Jackson Hayes was as mama was mentality as I saw of anyone on that court last night. He came in with a chip on his shoulder, like, I'm playing for Kobe tonight. And he did. He was offensive yeah. rebounds, playing tough, tipping Balls back in, you know, dunking them home, playing that his role, doing. But LeBron, I think what did it for me is after I think it was after Jamal Murray either made the three or then also made the two to go up five. Because in that eight zero run, he had five of the, those points like that. Right, yeah, then MPJ hit that three, and then MPJ hit the three because Austin Reeves decides that I'm going to bail and and play that card. Like Jokic isn't smart. Like Jokic doesn't have six eyes in his head because he's European and he's freaking genius. They'd be, they don't notice that. So Austin Reeves, I'm going to go try and steal it from him. But in, during that moment, I don't know if you remember, but LeBron James took a shot and it was a little like mini hook and it was short off the glass. That was the ugliest shot I could you could have taken in that moment, and then he missed it nonetheless. You're LeBron James. You're the all-time scoring leader. I forgot one more game. When LeBron broke the all-time scoring leader from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they lost to the Thunder that night last year. People, don't for, people forget about this stuff. They lost to the Thunder when LeBron broke the record. Like, this is what the Lakers do. And that wasn't last year's Thunder. I mean, it was a lot of the same younger guys, but, like, that's not, you know, that wasn't the one-seat Thunder at the time. No, and you at home. And the, all those games I mentioned, Brandon, those games are all at Staples Center. It's not like, on the road in hostile environments and all that crap. On a back-to-back. -back, on yeah. a back, and you have all this hype, man. Like, you got, you got Kobe. You got to play for Kobe. And I know everyone in the league plays for Kobe because – he was an idol for a lot of these guys in the league now. So right. I get that aspect of it. And I know Jamal Murray. I mean, I remember his reaction when, when Kobe died. I remember that, you know, he's in the gym and he's like frozen. And so you could, you could tell some of those guys, you know, you know Jamal's playing for Kobe. I mean, he's out there. You know, that's mama mentality in a, in, a, in a nutshell. You just go up and taking crazy shots and you're swapping them. I mean, 
Jamal Murray doing his thing. I mean, the the lack of respect that he gets is pretty uh is pretty sad because he's he's arguably a top five point guard, top three point guard in the league right now. Like, I mean, he's he's easily yeah. one of the best players in basketball. And you know, Steph Curry goes out there and does the flashy stuff. Jamal just goes out there and balls. And he, I mean, he makes mid range jump shots. He'll make threes when it matters. He plays the pick and roll game great. I mean, he's got an all around game. He's got pop in him. He's got size, which helps. You know, Steph Curry doesn't have that much size. Jamal's got the size to him but I just it, again we go through LeBron with that shot and then it just kind of you you could feel it just fizzle away but yeah you have every you win the Mamba jerseys everyone in the crowd's got Mamba jerseys given to them you just unveiled a statue for the guy it's the house that he built and we're gonna sit there and just drop eggs every time we're honoring this guy on the court like if this Mamba mentality means anything it's when that nothing else matters except the game <laughs> that's, right. that's that's the, what your, the mentality yeah. should be, right? Is none of this yeah. other that's crap new, matters, and that's yeah, where LeBron that's will never have that tournament championship. And that's yeah. where LeBron doesn't have that killer instinct, and neither does AD because again, it starts from the top. So you think AD right. is going to have that that type of thing? And again, AD is dropping thirty. You know, it's not hard to drop thirty in the NBA these days. It's not. Oh God, no, no. It's when games are one hundred and thirty to one hundred twenty-five. You better have thirty. Points. No, I'm not impressed. I'll be a little impressed by forty. But, you know, like right. Kobe dropped 40 in nine straight in an era where you're not supposed to do that. So, I, I again, it's this, this, it's this idea that the Lakers are this royalty still. It's just like they were royalty because they won. And not only did they win, they dominated on the court. And that's why they were royalty. And that's what the teams in the 90s, the teams in the 80s, the teams in the 2000s, that's what those teams did. But the, this this team of, of this roster, I'm like, if LeBron wants to go next year, go, dude. Like, let's just start over. Let's get some young talent. Let's see what we got in, you know, in, in, in college basketball. Or find a new young star in the league, you know, trade for SGA. I mean, I'm cool with that. But, like, you know, because right. the Lakers are good at poaching guys away. That's what they're always good at. But I, I'm, I'm over. I'm over it. They keep losing when when the, when I really want them to win. Like it's it's it's. I don't care about the game against the Pistons. I don't care about the game against the Hornets the other night. I don't I don't care. But when you got Kobe Day and you got two eight twenty four and you're revealing a statue, at least come out and duck. And then again, we we talked about this before we recorded, Brandon. The scheduling of this, like who put the Nuggets right. on two eight twenty four. Like you, you said it best. It's like a homecoming game in high school. You're gonna, you're gonna take the uh, a three A team against a five A team, and that's what you're gonna put on your homecoming day because you want to win. So, I, I get what they're doing is going up against the big dogs, and maybe when they scheduled them, the Nuggets hadn't won the championship yet. But we knew who the Nuggets were last year, regardless of whether they won the championship right. or not. So, I. It just kind of boggles my mind that, you know, and I didn't notice, and here's what's funny, right, is I didn't even notice they were playing the Nuggets until midway through the day yesterday. That's how much fluff they add to all this. And then when I saw that, I'm like, oh, crap. They're yep. going to have to really show out today. And then they did yeah, for about three and a half quarters, and then the Nuggets did what the Nuggets do. And this is why the Nuggets were arguably one of the most dominant teams of all time last season and they have honestly with Joel Embiid being out for and having injury problems that's one thing about Nikola Jokic that people need to start re recognizing real quick is he don't get hurt and maybe I'm, I'm gonna knock on wood when I say yeah, that knock but on like, wood, he don't please. get yeah, I was gonna he, say he, yeah he, hold on here hold you know, on well Joel and, and, and here's the thing Nikola will never catch up to Joel's injury list because Joel's been injured no. numerous times numerous and 
Jokic goes out that gets beaten and banged up, and here we go. And, he, and he's out there every single night and, and balls out. So that's something that people can never hold against Nikola because he's out there and he plays and he, he takes care of himself. But this is a team that can 100% go back-to-back. There's no doubt in my mind that this team could and honestly yeah. should go back-to-back as long right. as you stay healthy. I mean, they did that without KCP last night. Right. Peyton right. Watson's out there. No, that huge. dunk by I, Peyton Watson, baseline late. I mean, that pass by Jokic, that's tough guy stuff. And it's like, is Peyton Watson going to be the guy? Bruce Brown being gone, Jeff Green being gone, is he going to be the it guy? It feels like it. It feels yeah. like it, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he's trending that way. And, you know, I think – I know how you feel about the Clippers. I, I think that's the one team that mm. I'm a little bit concerned about. Yeah, sure. Um, And, again – Even over the Timberwolves. Healthy, right. Yeah, I'm not – no. Not worried yeah. about Timberwolves. I'm – the Thunder – if you catch them in a first round and you kind of take them lightly, I could see that being a team that, you know, you could get upset by. But I think the way the seedings will go, you know, by the time we see the Thunder, that'll be their second rounder in the in the West Finals. So at that point, everyone's dialed in and focused. But, yeah, really, it's it's the Clippers. And, again, with the seedings, I don't think any of these teams really have to worry about till the West Finals. And, you know, you talk about the Lakers of, you know, dialing it in for the statue night and all those stuff. But it's like, at the end of the day, it's like it's February, guys. You're, yeah, I think no they're the kidding. seventh seed right now. No like kidding. games, every games matter for no you now. Kidding. Like you're a 500 team, and you need to get going. And they just don't, they don't have it. And I don't know. Like I said, I I figured LeBron would always play for another at least three years, but the more and more I watch him, he just doesn't look super interested. A lot more grays, buddy. A lot more grays. A lot more grays. Yeah, he's rocking that. A lot more grays, which is is almost impressive with the way he balls <laughs> and he's got all that gray in him and he's just driving by dudes and Dev's like, geez, LeBron, like you got to chill, man. Like he's, he's still he's, the best player on the team. Right. He's the perfect example of like the old head on the court. Like, <laughs> he really yeah, this old head. This old head came up to run fives, and he just cooked me. It's like that's that's LeBron right LeBron, now. LeBron, Ramon, James. So we'll transition here. I know everyone, you know, is probably all of our, you know, thousands of fans. They're probably wanting us to talk the Super Bowl, but you know, I'm sure you've heard enough Super Bowl talk. So we'll get into that. But I want to I want to transition to some college basketball, and it's it's we're getting into March Madness here, and we have some. And then the reason why I think we care a little bit more is because our teams are right there in it, and our teams are have a good chance of making March Madness and maybe making a run, both of them. Um, you know, CU undefeated at home. They're still riding that that the top five spot in the Pac-12. It's been a little bit of a, of a tough go, especially on the road, uh, you know, for, for a lot of teams, honestly. It's been a long road for a lot of teams. Arizona really screwing me last night. Uh, you know, winning yeah, by I six, dude. So, on the hook again. On the hook again. Yeah. The hook is killing me this month. Nine days That's into this tough. month, the hook is killing. And triple overtime. And triple. And then I lost another one on the hook in double overtime last week. So like, something's going on there. But Arizona, well, like, you know, SVP always says overtime not good for the underdog. Better. No, it's not called undertime. So. Arizona, 9-3, and three, leading the division. I think they probably take the crown, but they don't have a, a solidified lead in, in this conference. I mean, CU's only two games back in the four slot, in the four slot at 7-5 and five in the conference, 16-7 and seven overall. I think CU will make it, but the road record is what worries me. It's tough. And, I mean, Arizona comes to town on Saturday, which is Huge. a massive game. Almost... Almost a must win, I think, if yeah. they want to 
if they want to get in that large bid, I mean, that's that's step number one is you got to beat Arizona at home. I mean, you know, they got waxed by them the first matchup. CU had no one playing. Right. TDS was out. Cody Williams was out. Um, I mean, that game was a joke from the tip. But it's going to be interesting because, you know, Cody Williams, he continues to kind of miss some time. That's going to be someone that they need down the stretch. They need that offense. And, again, because whenever he plays, he seems like he's getting more comfortable. Right. You know, we we talked about it multiple times that after that CSU game where that almost kind of felt like his coming out uh-huh. party where he kind of realized, like, oh, I can do – I uh-huh. can take over games, you know. So he needs to be healthy. Um, yeah, the shooting on the road just has to get figured out. But, yeah, that, I mean, that's step number one. You got you to gotta find a way to beat Arizona. The schedule is almost in their favor if they could pull out the wins they're supposed to. So it starts with this Saturday against Arizona. If, if, if you beat Arizona, that's obviously huge. Then you get UCLA on the road. UCLA is a mid-grade team. If you can steal that game on the road, that's important. Then you get USC on the road. Uh, that would be a bad loss. USC is not very good. Bronny James is not very good. And, you know, I, I, I don't see CU losing that game. So then there's a little, you know, four-game winning streak, you know, with the, with the Arizona State win. And then you get Utah at home. And that could be, if you win the next three games, pull out Arizona, take care of business on the road, and you get Utah at home, that could really pan out for a really strong situation for CU, getting to 20-7 and seven if you beat Utah at home. And then you get Cal at home. So there's a potential here of a six-game winning streak going into March. And then in March, you have Stanford at home. Another win. That's seven in a row. And then you go to Oregon on the road. That's where the streak might get kind of you know, halted. But that's not a bad loss. As long as you don't get blown out right. by 30 or 20, it's not a bad loss. So then you have Oregon State on the road, which should be a win. So the schedule on paper pans out for them to go on a little run here if they stay healthy, if they make shots on the road at those UCLA and USC games. But Arizona at home, Utah at home, Cal at home, Stanford at home, those games should all kind of work out in their favor. But it starts with Saturday. Don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because Arizona is a really good team. Love. Yep. It's Caleb Love, right? I love that guy. Yep. He is legit. That that team is a strong team. Now, Pac-12 is – conference play is out of control this season. And it's not. anything can happen. So, I like CU in the game. I'm really curious to see how they pan out. Right now, I don't see a line yet, at least while I'm looking. Do you have a line for it? I was just checking. It might be a little bit too early. It is Friday. The yeah, game's tomorrow. They don't have it yet? Game's tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. All right, well, points per game is about 90 for Arizona and about 81 for the Buffs. So I, you know, I would, I would maybe say, and maybe the, I would go with like a minus three and a half. Arizona is kind of my guess. Minus four and a half. Is that, that could too feel right. Yeah, because yeah. again, the bus. I mean, the bus haven't lost at home. They shoot the ball from deep a lot better at home. I could see. Yeah, I'd feel good about that. The Buffs aren't a bad team. They've just had some injuries. They've had some. I think they've had some chemistry things, just kind of figuring out how to play with each other a little bit. Um, right. But the injuries have definitely hurt. And so, you know, a bit, bit, big stretch here for CU if they want an at-large bid. That's really, you know, winning the Pac-12 tournament would be tough at this point. Neutral yeah, that's hard site, to do. That's going to be really hard. But getting an at-large bid, beating Arizona would be huge for that resume builder. So, And like I, like I said, the schedule kind of works out in their favor. So we'll see. I'd love to see CU in the tournament. I'd love to see them make it. 
you know, I think it's better for all of us here in Colorado when 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 our basketball teams are rolling. Basketball is kind of the sport right now in the state. With uh, um, who, who the isn't there someone else? Oh, well, well, no, not really. It's just CU and CSU. Air Force isn't doing too hot. Wyoming's not doing too no. hot. Um, UNC UNC's hanging tough. Oh yeah, in the big yeah. Sky. UNC. Yep. I think they're they're a game back behind Eastern Washington. But that UNC team, if if you've watched any of them, I mean. It has such the making of first round base guy tournament just getting blown out by forty. I they, they're a team that can't pull away from anyone. Teams that they should beat. It's always a close game, and they just you know, it's it's been it's been fun to watch. Then they're racking up a, a good amount of wins, and like I said, in the standings they're right there. But it's I don't think they're gonna. I don't think they'll be able to make a run. But it, you know, if they could, that'd be awesome too. Well, you know, they're one of those teams that had a bad, not bad, but mediocre non-conference schedule going 7-6, and six, and then they're 7-3 and three in, right. in conference play. So they're 14-9 and nine overall. Yeah, they're second. They're two games back of Eastern Washington, who's 9-1. Okay. and one. Uh, UN, Yeah, UNC, I mean, they're, they're having a good season. I mean, I like to see the winning record out there, and I like to see a pretty good winning record. you got 16-7 and seven, right. CU. you got 14-9 and nine, um, UNC, and I think the Rammies are – 16 and 5, 17 and 5, something like that. So, transitioning to the Rammies, they had a big game beating Boise State. The Mountain West is one of the craziest conferences when you look at top to bottom and you look at some of the competition there. The Mountain West is really out of control and you have and I know I know things have changed a little bit, but you have Boise State at the top, but there are four teams at seven and three in the Mountain West, and Boise State is seven and three. They're not ranked. You, New Mexico, seven and three. They might be the hottest team in the Mountain West right now. They're seven and three. They're ranked twenty fifth. San Diego State, seven and three. Utah State, seven and three. Then you have CSU at six and four. That game against Boise State was huge, and they won by double digits. They kind of handled the whole. They they led for like like nineteen and a half minutes. They led that game. So, like, they led the game for the entirety of it. Boise State tried to get in. The atmosphere is great. You know, Moby's just rolling. I had the privilege to go. I had great seats, man. I had free tickets, had a parking pass, and got to sit, like, seventh, oh, yeah. seventh row, almost midcourt. I mean, just in the middle of all the action. When you're in a college stadium that close, you, you, it's, you're really, like, in the action. Like, you're really just right there. So, you know, really, really cool, really cool game to go to. But, you know. The rest of the season is huge. Nevada taking a little drop. They're eighteen and five, but they're five and four in the conference. So Nevada's taking a little bit of a drop. UNLV is a pretty darn good team. Wyoming is is struggling, but they're not bad. But that's kind of where it ends. Fresno, San Jose State, Air Force are pretty beatable teams. But you go one, two, three, four, five, six, eight teams deep in the Mountain West, and anyone yeah, can beat anyone. I, I was gonna say they might end up with you know maybe four four or five teams in the tourney. I mean, they could get a handful of teams in. Right now, CSU is the first team out, and they would be the fifth fifth team to get in. And I think CSU should get in with their non-conference resume, but it all depends on how they end up the rest of the season. Big games tonight in the Mountain West. You have San Jose State at CSU, so CSU should take care of business there with San Jose State being yeah, very bottom by tier. by like 16. Yeah, 15 and a half is the line right now. And then you have probably one of the biggest games, which every game like this is big in the Mountain West. You have San Diego State at Nevada tonight. Nevada below CSU at 5 and 4. You have San Diego State in you know, tied for the first seed, but they're on the road. And we've seen right. what happens on the road in this conference in college basketball in general. So San Diego State, you got two 18 and five teams. 
going to Nevada. San Diego State getting a loss really helps CSU uh, getting a dub. So, you know, CSU fans are probably cheering for a Nevada victory. That would put Nevada at 6-4. CSU wins, they'd be at 7-4, and and they would jump. Uh, You kind of want to buy in that Mountain West tournament. You kind of want to buy, and so you get one of those top two seeds. uh, You know, it, it might be the top four seeds. I can't remember if it's top two or top four. I can't four, remember how they do it. Yeah. But you want to get a bye in the Mountain West Conference, and that would be ideal for these teams. But looking at CSU's schedule the rest of the way, they have San Jose State tonight, as I mentioned. Then they go on the road to San Diego State. So immediate, tough, tough matchup. Playing, playing in San Diego State for CSU has never panned out well. The season... That they went and lost to Michigan in the first round. They beat San Diego State in San Diego that year. So I feel like that's almost for me in the history of watching CSU. If you're able to beat San Diego in San Diego, that is kind of your, all right, we we might actually make it there. After that, you get Utah State at home, huge game. Then you get to go to the pit. And that one worries me again because... The pit is the pit. And like I said earlier, New Mexico might be the hottest team in the Mountain West right now. I mean, they're beating teams by double digits, beating teams at home by 20, 30 points. They're dominating. Now, CSU handled them early in the conference, but they've really figured things out now. New Mexico, they're a scary team. Then you go to UNLV, not an easy place to play. They almost beat CSU here in Fort Collins. Then you have Nevada at home, not an easy game. Going into March, you get Wyoming at home, not an easy game. And then you finish on the road at Air Force. So contrary to CU, CSU schedule is not in their favor, and they're going to really have to perform. Yeah, they're going to have to prove it big time. I mean, and it's it's that time of year, too, where you're scoreboard watching every single night. Woo! You know, all right, what, what, what help do we need here? Who needs to win? Who needs to lose? It's it's fun time, man. But yeah, I mean the Ram- yeah the Rams gonna have to go out there and it's make or break time. I mean they had such a hot start, mm. ranked for how many weeks were they ranked it was like for? Six at least. seven weeks. Yeah, it felt like forever. And yeah, now it now it's go time. Yeah, and you get you get that win at San Diego. If you can take a dub at San Diego State or New Mexico, I think CSU is kind of kind of in a good place there. But if you lose both of those. The Mountain West Tournament, you're going to have to really make some noise in the Mountain West Tournament. And I'm not saying those are bad losses. And, and I still think they get an at-large bid. i still looking at the standings and looking at the conference. I, I think the, the conference should get five teams in. I think it might be between, like, Boise and CSU. I think they're kind of, like, yeah. neck and neck in that realm. I think – and I know Boise's up top because of tiebreakers right now. But – Right now, I think it's Boise CSU. They've already played each other twice, so like you said, a lot of scoreboard watching about to happen, which is, I mean, why we love college basketball. And I think with how crazy conference play has been around the nation, I mean, we're getting March Madness early. March, yeah. Late February, March, going into conference, it's going to be it's going to be lit. I think it's the amount of upsets, and again, we talked about the road struggles. Will that carry over to neutral sites? I think there's going to be there's going to be some surprising action going on, and you know, maybe a, a middle of the pack 500 team gets hot, wins a conference tourney, gets into the dance, causes some trouble. I was trying to look at the Boise State schedule because I think at that point, if it is you know kind of those two neck and neck, CSU definitely has some better out of conference wins. Um, you know, with the Creighton, 
Creighton, CU. Washington, and CU. Those are kind of the big ones. Boise beat VCU by four. Waxed by Butler. Waxed by Clemson. Yeah, Butler's not that good. Um, I mean, Boise State hung 109 on Western Oregon. Congratulations. Hey, they beat Vanguard by 34. So, you know, go go Boise, yeah, huh? Western Oregon, the Wolves. Western Oregon Wolves. Go Wolves. Okay, so they're, Wolves so they're, so they're, so we're so so counting community college games? Okay. All right. Yep. That's fine. Yeah, they're, they're out of schedule. Like I said, I think if it's, if it's neck and neck for one of those teams to get a bid, I would, I'd feel pretty confident that'd be CSU. The game, so the game that they played earlier this season in January, see, you know, CSU hung in it in Boise, and they lost by seven. And then CSU goes, go, you know, comes back to Fort Collins and wins by thirteen against Boise. I think on a neutral site, CSU is the better team. And I mean, looking right. at it, like, you know, and watching that game, you know, Tyson Dagenhart. I mean, he had 24, 25 points against the Rams, but the Rams were able to shut down everyone else outside of it. They're, if they if the Rams are able to shut down defensively, I think their offense is so fluid and so smooth that I'm not really worried about their offense. They've been able to prove, I mean, 81 points a game. Oh no, that's that's I'm sorry. That's uh that was that was uh CU was 81 points a game. If I'm looking at CSU doesn't want to show me. If I'm looking at what CSU drops per game, yeah, they drop 80 points a game. That's pretty high scoring uh, for a college basketball team. The fact that Arizona is averaging 88 points a game, 89 points a game is pretty outrageous. So, you know, CSU's offense, I'm not worried about. What I get worried about is them defensively because of their size. You know, Joel Scott might be the D2 player of the year, but he's he's undersized for his position. Patrick Cartier, great, great footwork, great, you know, he's he's, he's able to spread the floor. But he's undersized, and you know Bemba, he's great body, but like he's a freshman, so it's it's right. hard to kind of lock in on a big guy that we can trust down low, and so really relies on playing defense up top and really active hands and loose balls and stuff like that. But offensively, I'm not worried about. So if they're able to d up, you know Jason Ladee, he's he's a stud over there at San Diego State, and um, you know you got you got the NBA sons on New Mexico. Doing their thing, the Mashburn, I think, and Eddie House's son, Jamal Mashburn's son, and Eddie House's son are both mm-hmm. on new, both on New Mexico. And you have Rick Pitino's son coaching the team, so uh, you really have son galore in New Mexico. But you have some have some dogs there on my wedding night, which is on two twenty four. Go to UNLV, so I'm a little nervous. You know that's going to be a huge game uh, while I'm while I'm getting hitched. So go, go we'll have it streaming. It, we'll have it streaming, but maybe behind the altar, like behind me and my fiance. You know, we're standing there, and then, like, behind us is, like... Just put up a little projector. So people just look right through us at the CSU Rebels game. That's 6 p.m., so we should be partying by then, I think. You're going to have to come up with a wedding lock. Yeah, 100%. When I got married, I smacked... I I can't remember who the Rays were playing, but I took the under in that game, um, and it hit, and I went... I went big time heavy on that. It's like, well, it's my wedding day. Here we go. That's what I'm and saying. So, so, like, I'm, I'm going to have to figure out. See, on my, so on my sister's wedding day, I had a lock of the Rockies. And if you remember, because we woke up the Padres, because we were staying with the Padres yep. at the same hotel. Yeah, they were at the so hotel. So, we, yep. we, we woke them up at 8 in the morning with that crazy intro from my brother-in-law. And then I was telling the peeps, hey, hammer the Rockies. I think the Rockies won, like, 14 to 9 that night. It was a high-scoring Saturday night. We had tickets to that game. 
we had tickets to that game, but we couldn't go because of the wedding. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So we That's had to right. give those tickets away. So, uh, but yeah, I hammered that on my sister's wedding night. I love it. The Rays under. What a what an underwhelming bet to hammer on your wedding night. But hey, it hit. Yeah, I took the under. Yeah, nothing. Wedding nothing lock of the day. Like, raise money line. Give me the under. I don't want any. <laughs> oh, raise under. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I probably won't be CSU on that day. Maybe an NBA pick. I mean, two twenty-four. You got some Mamba in you, so I'm going to have to really look at some of the some of the dogs out there for that day. Yep, to um, you know, to fill fill that up. But yeah, exciting stuff in college basketball. March Madness is going to be a good time. Excited to get the brackets going again. My fiance didn't get one in last year, so she's really looking forward to, forward to getting one in this year. Uh, my dad has beaten me like eight years running right now. So like, my dad has my number, and my dad is like. He he don't he don't care about sports, but like March Madness, That's dude, how it goes. He, he kicks my ass every time. So you know That's we'll how see how pops does again this year. So I was just looking at other potential local games. Okay. On the wedding night. Okay. So you mentioned CSU. Okay. Utah's in Boulder. Oh. <laughs> we got Toronto coming to town against the Avs at Pepsi. Maple Leafs. Yeah. So USA. That's a huge game. That's a huge game. Let's see what the Nuggets have going on that night. Oh, thankfully the Nuggets got the night off. Okay. Whew. Well, yeah, we got some we got some ball games. Okay, we do have some ball games. Very very interested to see how this goes. Do the Lakers play on 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 the wedding night? That's where I'm going next. Nope, they got the day off too. Oh, uh, Lakers don't play on Saturday night. So who's the who's got the ABC game on Saturday? That day. Maybe like a uh, Milwaukee. Oh, I see Celtics Knicks. You hammer the Knicks. Taking the under. Take- <laughs> Love it. You know yeah. what's crazy? I was watching uh was watching some highlights of I can't remember if it was the East Finals, but it was uh Pistons Pacers when the Chauncey Billups years and stuff like that. Yeah. Fourth quarter fourth quarter, two seconds to go. The score was sixty nine to sixty seven. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like just how much the NBA has changed over the last I no. just remember, like I mean, every it's time been 20 the years probably not. Well, at this point, every but. time uh, Game Seven Lakers Celtics comes up and it's the fourth quarter, I mean it was like 73, 74. Yeah. I mean yep. that game ended in the eighties, I think. I mean just so different, and they were hype games. I mean you had playoff right. games in 04, like Pistons and Spurs that ended like yeah seventy four seventy, and they were hype. Dude, they were hype. And I love that because the intensity is so high. You know, when you have all this offensive play, the, the, I kind of feel like it dilutes the intensity. Like when you're like, when the guys are balling out and playing hard on defense, people don't realize how much like defense brings like momentum and intensity to the to the crowd. And, and there were just bigger, tougher guys out there too. You had Ben Wallace and Rasheed Wallace and, and you know, you had big right. dudes out there. You know, you don't got Ben Wallace's in the league anymore. Right. Well, and it's funny to like, you You know, you kind of mentioned like how intense and exciting those games were. Like, even if you think back to game five last year, that game was low scoring between the Nuggets and the Heat. I think it ended in like 90 something to high 80s. But it wasn't. I mean, it was intense from the standpoint of, all right, the Nuggets are about to win their first ring. But remember how ugly that game was? Like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily like great locked in intensity right. defenses like. There were turnovers, guys just missing open shots. It was just like it, it's just so funny how, and it's every sport, you know, over the years how the offense has progressed. But yeah, it, dude, I was in shock. I was watching. It's like I thought I was watching like the third quarter, and I looked at the score. And it's like no, there's two seconds left in the game. <laughs> <laughs> 
69 69 to 67 that is crazy that's a that's a college basketball score yeah i mean that's insane for like bad for like bad teams <laughs> right right yeah we just said cu and arizona are averaging 80 plus points a game this season yeah. each like that's crazy yeah the nba has changed man i mean i, I, I kind of miss the olden days uh just because you know betting a 246 over is is just so hairy to do yeah it but, just sounds so wrong yeah, it's no, like, uh, but it hits you almost it hits every single time it's kind of weird so totals are about to be going up to 260 like next season it's gonna be gross Will we see a 300-point game? Have we seen one? Oh, yeah, we definitely have. I'm sure we've seen one this year. I feel like it would have been bigger news. I don't know if we because, have, man. Well, like the I one, guess a hunt, yeah, the 140s to 140s is pretty. We definitely hit like 280. Let's, uh, let's welcome in a guest. and Let's welcome in Siri. Has there been a 300-point game in the NBA? Uh, does it the highest scoring regular season game in NBA history actually includes the Denver Nuggets? Yeah, what the, uh, New Orleans, right? Detroit Pistons. Oh. Any guess how many points were scored in that game? 1983, December 13th. 1983, that is the day my brother-in-law was born. Shout out my brother-in-law, December 13th, 1983. That's crazy. That is crazy. How many points are you guessing? Uh, highest highest point score, highest point scored in a regular season game ever. Detroit Pistons, Denver Nuggets. It was at McNichols Arena. Did it go into overtime or anything? It doesn't say. Okay. Actually, uh, yes, yes, say... it did. Yes, it did. I went into three overtimes. Oh God! Um, three forty-seven. Three forty-seven. Incorrect. Three seventy. Woo! One eighty-six to one eighty-four. Next wow. on the list, second place, three fifty-one. It was the Kings versus the Clippers. You had two overtimes. And then in third place was nineteen eighty-two, three hundred thirty-seven. Bucks and the Spurs. So, we're talking about some olden days. You know, the most recent one is 329 in 2019 between the Bulls and the Hawks, 168 to 161. So, that was the most recent history. But the top three were so all I'm in the seeing, 80s. No, I'm sorry. I'm the, the second place was in 2023. Well, the second place was last year. Yeah, in November. It's this season. Hawks and Pacers. That's what I was just about to say. We had a 300-point game this season. Oh, this is. So, that's not, that's not popping up here yet. Oh, oh, you haven't gotten that one? Well, how oh. many points was it? Double checking. Because so so this, is, this is just talking about over 300. It, this won't rank up in that like, Got area. It. But, so the Pacers beat the Hawks. This was part of the in-season tournament. They beat the Hawks. It's 157 to 152. So 109. Oh, 309. 309. 309. So last February, last 224, we had the 351 between the Kings and the Clippers. A year ago. So. Wow. Yeah. Uh, surprising to see that there were some 80s games. 370, huh? Go Nugs. But they lost, it looked like. Nugs lost. Shocker. Shocker. In, in triple overtime. Shocker. So, um, all right. Last thing. Let's, go, let's talk about Super Bowl. I guess big game. We don't care about either of the teams. And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. 
I do not Amen. care about either of these teams. Um, not really preparing, not really planning for it. Uh, the Super Bowl, you know, it's another, it's a rematch from a few years ago when the when the Chiefs beat the Niners. It was uh, Pat Mahomes' first Super Bowl. I think it was in Miami. You had Jimmy G as the quarterback, game manager. Jimmy G, one throw away, you one know, throw away. one throw away. And uh, you know, and then also, you know, if you just don't let Tyreek Hill get that wide open. On that play on third down and ten, uh, you know, part with, of that. Yep. you know that that defense of San Francisco was better than the one they have this year. But nonetheless, we have the Chiefs uh, still as dogs. Not really much movement on the on the line. I think it started at two, maybe went down to one, and then went back up to two. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was at one and went to two. Maybe it was at two the whole time and stayed there. But the Chiefs are two point dogs. Plus 102 on the money line, 47 and a half is the over-under. I know that's gone down a little bit from 48. Uh, so I know my theory of game seven unders and everything, it's starting to it's starting to make its way. And it's starting to move some lines. So here I am moving some lines, you know, because of this under. So, you know, we, everyone, wants a, everyone wants a piece of my pie. I get it. We wanted to talk about Super Bowl props. There's some fun ones. You know, it's the biggest game of the year, no matter what sport we're talking about. Any props, fun ones that are standing out to you, Brandon? I got a couple. So I could I could go on an hour for this. Okay. Um, the first, the first, but I won't. I won't. <laughs> the first one that uh, I like a lot is the time of the first possession. Okay. Under three minutes and fifteen seconds. Ooh. Okay. Okay. I think it it just first feels, possession. Again, you always first possession. So whoever gets the ball first. That time of that first possession, under three minutes and 15 seconds. I think a three okay. and out is so possible. That's so true. A three and out, the, the crowd's buzzing, the defense is, I think like a three and out just seems so possible. Now, the hard part is it, you can really, you can afford a first down. If they get a first down, they have to pretty much get it on that first play. You need passes. You need passes. You need passes. I think the best. I think the best chance is, I probably eat my words saying this, the Niners getting the ball first, Chiefs shutting them down real quick. Brock Purdy for a Super Bowl. Agreed. That's what I think too. Yeah, I think they, that's probably your best you know, bet it off, to happen. You hand it off to CMC first down. He gets two yards. Brock Purdy incomplete over the middle, and then incomplete. You know, incomplete again. Yeah. Or and even if you, you get a completion, you're short, you're still good on time. So I, I like right. that. Under three minutes and 15 seconds. Okay, first possession under three minutes and 15 seconds. With, we, we like that one together. I'm with you on that one. What do you got next? Um, who will score more points, Kansas City Chiefs or Kristaps Porzingis, who plays the Miami <laughs> Heat on Super Bowl Sunday? <laughs> Love the Chiefs for that. <laughs> it's a little juicy. It's minus 145, but... <laughs> I like that a lot. It's in Miami. Miami needs to start playing better. Seems like Miami and Boston, you know, I think a lot of those times those games always get pretty pretty chippy defensive battle. I don't think Porzingis scores a whole bunch. Um, now, again, it's tough because I don't think the Super Bowl is going to be very high scoring, so it's very possible that the Chiefs win with 20 points. So it could get it could get sweaty. But I like the Chiefs versus Chris Stapp. Okay, got any others? I love that one. I got one more for you. Okay. What will be more, Jordan Spieth's 
amount of total birdies in the final round of the Phoenix Open versus total made field goals. Now, if this does void, this does void, say, if Jordan doesn't make the cut. Um, and round one was suspended, so they're doing a lot of golf today. So we'll have to kind of figure out where he lies. Um, but I like Jordan Spieth more birdies than total field goals. Okay, see, you yours are a lot more fun than me. I should have gone first, man. Yours are so much more fun. Like mine are so well, crappy. You know, mine's, mine's just good ways to lose money. I, yours, <laughs> yours will be ways to make us money. Mine's just like throw $3 on this and then, you know, away you go. I, okay, I, I'll say this. I don't know if mine are that good. I just like, I, you know, I'm not a value player, but this is a little value play here. Uh, my, mine is going to go with, and I have one and I'm, I might have another one that might tie into this one. We talked about it off air, but my one is a successful two point conversion at plus 265, a successful two point conversion at plus 265. Low key. That seems so easy. It does. Now here's the thing. <laughs> Neither team has converted a two point conversion this season. All year? <laughs> I believe so, is what I heard. <laughs> that means they're due. That means That's they're what due. That's I was thinking. And I'm like, it's too juicy not to take it. It'd be fun to add the no in a parlay because it's minus 350. But if you want it straight up, I like the successful two-point conversion. It has to be successful. Now, they have a will there be a two-point conversion attempt. That's at plus one fifty, so you don't have to get Ooh, like you don't, don't have to get either. the success. So I'm liking the two point action here, and then on top of that, Jalen Hurts had it last year. I think I don't know. I don't know how much this whole T Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift thing actually is really going to come into play. Is Travis Kelsey really going to have a big game? I mean, I don't. I, he hasn't had a big game in a while, right? And I can't remember when he has had a. A huge yeah, I mean, game like hot, that. He had a hot start. He had a hot start in the AFC Championship, and then the second half, the Chiefs couldn't really do anything. Right, but. and that's what the Chiefs are known to do this season: is not do anything in the second half of the games, which is interesting to look at, at from a game perspective. But Travis Kelsey, octopus. It's at plus three thousand. That means he scores a touchdown and scores the next two point conversion. So you know, some some heavy odds there. That may not, you know, may not work out, but I kind of like the successful two-point conversion. I, I feel like this is going to be another close game, and I feel like it's going to come down to like an eight-point, uh, you know, situation where you got to score and then get two. Now you have to convert it. For what I'm saying, that's going to be a little harder, but you can get the attempt for plus one fifty. Well, in you know, now with the recent years of analytics, which I don't agree with this, this strategy but what we've seen teams do now is even if they're down 14 a lot of teams are going for two on that first touchdown they score to cut the lead to a one score game so you know we still could be in the running for it even if it's not an eight point game if it's 14 points they go for two maybe then down six maybe they're down eight you know, so we, we could have a couple chances at it yeah if Which, it's a 14 six yeah. game and, and you're at the fourth quarter and you score a touchdown, you, you're going to go for two yeah. in the fourth quarter there. So even if it's right. early, you might even go for it in the third. And and looking at both coaches, they seem aggressive enough to do that. I think Andy Reid is a little bit more aggressive than Kyle Shanahan. I, just, I don't like Kyle Shanahan. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of Kyle. I don't like his demeanor. I don't like his attitude. I You know, I, I, don't, I just don't. I'm not a huge fan of the Niners. I don't like Brock Purdy. I don't like any of them, you know? I don't like them. I just don't. Christian McCaffrey, what? whatever. You know, he's good. He's good. I'll give him his props. I'll give it's, him his flowers. He's good. 
it's it's funny because it's you know if you look at what you know two of the most like hated teams for each of us being like the division rivals so you got the Niners with the Seahawks and the Broncos with the Chiefs yeah it's just that perfect match where like everything you say about the Niners it's like yep I feel the same way about the Chiefs <laughs> now for the all, all all the big question of it all is who are you taking what's what's your what's your game play for the Super Bowl total money line spread what are we doing if they're gonna give me Patrick Mahomes that plus money you gotta take it now I'll put my money on the Chiefs money line and I'm gonna root really 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 hard to lose that money I don't want the Chiefs to win, but, you know, it's been said countless times throughout the last few weeks, the Chiefs are the new Patriots. You can't bet against them. They've proven it. This was the one year where you thought you could get away with betting against them. Oh, no kidding. They've shown you that's the wrong play. No kidding. You got to take the Chiefs. So I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm hammering the Chiefs, and here's why. I don't like it either. I don't. I mean, like we said when we started this, I don't. I don't like it. I am just. I. I hate it. But it's a Super Bowl, and you got to play big money. I'm hammering the Chiefs. Here's why. This is a dynasty game. This is a dynasty game for both teams, and it's a dynasty game that. And, and the reason you're like, wait, the Niners haven't won anything yet. They have been here and been this close for like the last decade. You know, we go all the way back to the Ravens Super Bowl. They've been in it mm-hmm. for the last decade. They've had a good team, a good coaching staff, a good all of it. Jim Harbaugh was the coach back then. Now you got Kyle Shanahan, rosters, defenses. I mean, you you have it all. You have guys. Robert Sala was there. D'Amico Ryan's was there. All these guys. That they are a tree, right? They are a tree to everyone else in the yep. league. The Niners. This is why it's a dynasty game for them, even though they haven't necessarily won anything, um, which they haven't. Yep, the Seahawks have won a Super Bowl, and they've been. You know, they, 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 they have that dub over the Niners, so even though they have six straight regular season wins against us, it's like, you know, we got the actual dub when it mattered. You but 48, yep. Yeah, we, we got that one. So, you know what I realized was, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not even going to say it. So, the reason I'm going with the Chiefs is, you know, you might say it's hard to beat a team twice. It's even harder to beat them twice in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. You know, we, we go back to the previous Super Bowl where the Chiefs barely—they probably should have lost that game—and they yeah. barely won that game. Kind of set off the dynasty that was the first Super Bowl for the Chiefs in the Patrick Mahomes era. And you know, you have that happen. And then you come back to this year, and you're like, okay, well, the Niners are going to figure it out and get it done. I I don't buy it. Just like you said with the Patriots, Patrick Mahomes, what they've done this playoff run with how their season went. We can't just we can't let that slide. I mean, th- this is unbelievable. They were the most beatable Chiefs team. They were the most beatable team in the NFL. You know, all the season Broncos long. Beat them this year. The Broncos ended the streak this year against the Chiefs. I mean, man, that game was ugly. <laughs> but like, it, it, <laughs> I can't believe they won that game. It was like the Patrick Mahomes flu game, and he couldn't figure it out. But I, I nonetheless, the Chiefs are the Chiefs for a reason. That defense, and I'm a big defense guy. Defense wins Super Bowls. Defense wins championships. That defense is the reason they're here. That defense is the reason they survived this long. And then you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes, which uh, you're not going to convince me that you're going to take Brock Purdy over Patrick Mahomes. Like, just shut up. And so Patrick Mahomes is the guy. You have Travis Kelsey, which guys are saying, like, he's got this little – 
turn in him when it's game time. Like he's a fun loving, charismatic, great dude in the in the media and on, on on his podcast and all that good stuff. But when the game comes, I mean, you saw they would clown it on Jake uh, Justin Tucker. Justin you know, last Tucker, last yeah. week or a couple weeks ago in Baltimore, they clown on the kicker, and it seemed like they were serious. It seemed like Justin Tucker didn't really care. Yeah, but like it yeah, seemed like it the seemed Chiefs like were was serious, kind of, dude. Yeah, he was more like oh, kind of like joking around, and then they started throwing his helmet, and he's like. <laughs> Oh. oh, you got oh oh okay. My bad. <laughs> okay, I guess. This, this is real. I'm I'm out here by myself. I have no backup. You gotta love Justin Tucker knowing his role and knowing that he's a kicker. Like it's the AFC championship in your stadium and you play for the Baltimore Ravens and you're gonna let someone go all over you. Yeah, because you're the kicker. You're not gonna do it. I think he knows I think his role. Justin Tucker, but he's a good enough kicker where I would have respected it if it was any other kicker, I would have. But, like, I think at that point you try to make a statement and you say, like, <laughs> no, I'm Justin Tucker, which, again, is the most laughable thing. Like, I'm Justin Tucker. You're Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But it's like, imagine how hyphy that stadium would have gotten and the Ravens would have gotten if, like, Justin Tucker got in their face. <laughs> like, what are they gonna, It's like Patrick Mahomes is not going to swing on you. Like, you're fine, dude. Like, just, like, try to get some juice going. And I don't think Travis Kelsey's swinging either, but – no. Travis Kelsey's got that dog in him. He's able to ball out. You know, Rasheed Rice has been very, very serviceable for the Chiefs. He's kind of saved him on the receiver end. Um, Pacheco, into a stud. Pacheco's a hard runner. I mean, they have guys on offense. They haven't performed, but they have guys on offense. And, you know, I... I, I, I just feel the Chiefs on this one. I, I don't see the Niners. I think the Niners are going to be... The, I think the Chiefs are going to be that that nightmare to the Niners for, for, for years to come, you know, like the Clippers thought they had their chance back with the Griffin and Chris Paul days. And honestly, that team was probably good enough to make it pretty deep, but they ran into Steph Curry and the Warriors all the time. So I think it's almost a similar type thing with the Niners and the chiefs here. And again, I mean, Brock Purdy. Yeah. He's, he's done. He's, he's done a good enough job to get by. And then, but you look at those weapons, man. Like, Brandon Ayuk might be better than Debo Samuel. I mean, when you, have an, when you have an argument like that with your receiver core and then you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield, like, and then George Kittle, I'm just kind of like, okay, yeah, like, you have this, – this is a roster. This is a damn good the team. The roster's there, yeah. The roster's, the roster's there. there. Top to bottom, it's there. Defensively with Greenlaw and Fred Warner, and you got – I mean, you got these guys on the end. I mean, they're legit – but like you got, you gotta be kidding me, man! Are we really betting against the Chiefs? Like, no. Like, the, the no. Chiefs have proven, and this year more than ever, how could you sit there and comfortably bet against the Chiefs? And and uh, you know, just to, just to just to add a little bit more flair to it, uh, a flight from Japan to Vegas is thirteen hours. I've um, seen all this breakdown. Yeah, you know, yeah. Five, Super Bowl fifty eight, five plus eight equals thirteen. Um, there was another one that came out. I can't remember what it was, but there was a few out there that kind of you know puts these uh, simulation it all came theories. It all comes yeah. up Taylor, and I don't know how the NFL could go with not having that happen and having. Oh my God! You need her on the field celebrating the Super Bowl. Yeah, how could you not have that? And not only that, the, the Kelsey brothers. I mean, look what happened last season with the Eagles, right? The Eagles go off. Right. Jason Kelsey gets on the map. Travis Kelsey already was, but you have this now. Now, now Jason Kelsey has what they have the they have the podcast. His wife is now famous. They have a they have a uh, documentary that they have on Amazon called Kelsey, like their prime well, or something. A stud, she's a stud. What? She's a soccer player. She's I think on the uh, soccer or field hockey. Oh, field hockey. I can't remember. Okay, so I think she she has some time like on a national team, but yeah, no, it's and now yeah, Jason Kelsey's now the biggest Chiefs fan, and he's stealing you know 
at the Bills game, game right? Two. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so then it, you have Travis and Taylor, and then taking their next step, and the album coming out, and then you have all this stuff, and she's flying from Japan for the Eras tour, and he missed the Grammys, and it just all kind of pans out, and then all the number crap. I'm like, how how do you let that lose? How do you just let that lose? Like, you know how big that would be for their. I mean, th- how how big has Taylor Swift been for the NFL this season? I mean, you talk right. about a whole crowd and a whole type of people that I would say 75% of Taylor Swift fans hate the NFL and what they stand for you know I would probably say but then now you have Taylor Swift fans like loving the NFL and loving what's going on so you're bringing it I mean who knows how much money they're bringing in and then you're gonna just lose in the Super Bowl I mean I just in Vegas I just don't first ever Super Bowl in Vegas I just don't see this going in the Niners favor they got C-Mac he's dope I don't I just don't see I don't see Brock Purdy figuring out this Chiefs defense. And I know this Chiefs defense is going to be hungry and they're going to be going after that kid. Chris Jones is going to be wanting to, you know, take him down. And you got to stop you got to stop the I run game. Don't let C-Mac beat you. Right. Well, and that's I think I think the the Chiefs that's their that's their key is if they can make it a game where Brock Purdy has to start airing it out. You know that's where it gets uncomfortable for the Niners because yeah, in reality, if I'm the Niners, it's like I'm so okay with just giving the ball to CMC over and over and over and over again. Hundred percent, I have no problem. And I want to. And I'm the best player on the field. Let him do it. And I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and look here. You know, as we end this show, and you know, we we it's a Super Bowl, so we can give us some some time here. But I wanna I wanna see here if I can pull it up the amount of throws. That you know, Mr. Purdy has had in his recent games, and and I look at the 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 uh, the game against the Lions. He had 31 throws against the Lions in the divisional round against well, the that Packers. Well, was interesting because that was the first game where he actually needed, well, really as a team, they needed to kind of like figure out how to play from behind, and you know they obviously got it done. I think the Lions had a. a pretty big role in that too but. he threw 39 times against the Packers so he threw a lot of times against the Packers there in week 18 Sam Darnold threw the ball 26 times so shout out Sam Darnold against the commanders he threw 28 times Brock Purdy did in week 16 Brock Purdy against the Ravens that they got hammered by the Ravens Brock Purdy had 32 throws. So he's hovering around that range. I mean, they're giving him the amount of throws. They're giving him a shot. And I think, but you know. I think, but, but on the on the counter side of that, if you look at, like, the Packers game, he finished with 250 yards, one touchdown. Lions game, 260, and one touchdown, one pick. It's like, it's not like when he's throwing, you know, when he's dropping back 40 times, he's lighting it up for 350 and a couple touchdowns, a pick or two. I mean, you know, you know what their offense is, and that's where I think it's it's not so much a Brock Purdy thing. It's going to be more of what can Kyle scheme up. Yes, agree. Keep Brock comfortable and make sure that he's not having to go out there because again, he's proved that he can go out there throw it forty times. But we know what those passes are. It's like as long as you can scheme up something where he's not having to unload the ball. 15, 20 yards down the field consistently. I mean, I think this game's more of a, you know, you know, it's not more so Patrick Mahomes versus Brock Purdy. It's more like Kyle Shanahan versus the Chiefs defense. I'm really excited for this game to be over. And, you know, I will say take the under, under 47 and a half. I'm not going to go away from my theory now, but... 
This game, I don't feel too good about that under, but I'm going to stick with my guns. But this is one of those games where I don't feel great about it. I feel like a 20, uh, a 35, 30 game, you know, maybe like a 20, 32, 28 sort of game. I feel like there's going to be some scoring, but I'm still going to take that 47 and a half under. I'm hoping for like a, you know, even 28, 24, I'm nervous about. You know, that that that, that puts us in the yeah. hole. So, you know, hoping hoping for a, you know, 24, 21 type game, uh, you know, maybe in the teens. It wouldn't be very exciting if it was in the teens, but uh, that's, that's why I think I don't feel good about it. But... Love the Chiefs. Love the Chiefs in this one. I think the Chiefs are as hungry as you can get. They've heard, they've heard the noise uh, this whole season, starting with Week One against the the Detroit Lions on on uh, yep. primetime. and they they went out and here they are in the Super Bowl, playing the Niners again, playing the same you know, same head coach, uh, similar quarterback. I mean, what's the difference between Jimmy G and Brock Purdy? I mean, uh, you know, Jimmy G took him there, so we're gonna slander Jimmy G. Yeah, is Brock Purdy a little bit better? I don't know. Yeah, to me, they're like the exact same Geno guy. Smith, Drew Locke, buddy. Same guy. Yeah. Same You same. know, the only one, the, the one time I bet against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl was when he played Tom Brady. That's the only time I bet against him in the Super Bowl. Well, that wouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. Tampa Bay. My bad. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, when he was. Oh, yeah. dude, that was a great day. I made a lot of money against uh, You don't yeah. bet against Tom Brady. Yeah. See, you don't bet against Pat exactly. Mahomes, that's, that's but you my don't point. bet against Tom Brady. <laughs> that's my point. The only guy you bet against Pat for is Tom Brady. <laughs> He's not in the picture anymore. So it's Pat. And dude. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson's still a Bronco. Are you surprised? I don't know. He looked good on the treadmill the other day. He's backpedaling. Um,. I don't know what they're gonna do. It's and it's. I just maybe when you get closer to the draft, they'll have a little bit more news to kind of come out. But I'm sure Sean Payton after the season, he's just like, I'm just gonna go on vacation for two months and just not think about this mess that I have. <laughs> he looked good on the treadmill backpedaling. Oh, Rusty. I, I'm really nervous. Change. I'm really nervous. I've seen some. Uh, some draft boards and JJ McCarthy. I've seen him in the spots going to the Seahawks, which would be worst case, and also the Raiders, which would be secondary worst case. So, yeah, you know, surprisingly, JJ's getting some love in the first round. I, I wouldn't, climbing, dude. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take him in the first round. I hope he proves me wrong, especially if he goes to Seattle. But yeah, Seattle with that 16th pick, uh, you know, curious of where they go here. Um, man, I would be just, I would just be so unenthused. If they went with Geno another year, like there's just no excitement. Right. It's just like go out there and play no. ball, and it's like yeah, go get dubs. But like, there's no anticipation if they just go with Geno no, again. Yeah, even with the new coach. Much agreeing, like we'll be yeah, we'll be a 500 team, and you know if we can catch a couple good good bounces, good breaks, maybe we squeak a wild card. If the bounces go the other way, maybe we're a top 10 pick again. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they went from the oldest coach to the youngest coach in the league. So, curious to see how it works. I like I like it. Glad they didn't go with Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's in Washington where he belongs. So, glad uh, Mike McDonald, you know, we're, we're looking forward to the Mike McDonald era. Going to be different in Seattle. So, that's why I hope that they don't go with Geno and they kind of start a whole new era. You know, you have a really, really young, awesome defense. Go draft a quarterback. Go draft JJ. Fine. You have a young running back. You got young receivers. Uh, why not? So we'll see how it goes. Big, big, big stuff coming. But, yeah, hey, Russ, stay on that treadmill, bud. Stay on that treadmill. Uh, pleasure as always, B. We'll catch you next time. See ya.